0: I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidenova, And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why. And turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now. So lock your door, put your headphones in, and enjoy. Team Shar, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast.
1: Uh, Anna, it is such an honor to be on this show with you. I'm looking forward to our time together.
0: Team, my question for you will be a bit challenging. Mm -hmm. But I would really love to hear your opinion. Mm -hmm. My fiance and I went through some challenging and tough time. We had 15 consecutive miscarriages altogether. What would be your best advice to bring this baby in this world?
1: Mm. So... The goal, it sounds like, is to be a mom, right? To be a mother and to love a child. So life doesn't always work out the way that we want it to. It doesn't always work out the way that we wish it would. And sometimes it can feel very unfair. So the way to deal with that is to figure out what is the ultimate outcome that you want right? Because sometimes we can get what we want, but just not in the way that we think. And so, um, you know, if you have had 15 miscarriages, you just keep trying. You might end up with 16 miscarriages, or you might finally have that baby. But it sounds like the real goal is to be a mom. And you can be a mom in a variety of ways. You can be a mom to kids that need to be adopted. You could be a mom to kids that you're not officially a mom, but you're so motherly and loving, right? That people feel like you're a second mom. So you can be a mom to the world, (laughs) right? So there are different ways of manifesting that. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, we don't know if we're going to be able to have what we want the way that we want it to be. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Right, like I worked really, really hard, and this is a lousy comparison to what you just shared. But I worked really hard for years to um, to be able to have more public speaking events. And in 2019, I finally had it set up in January, where I had multiple speaking events every month. I worked for years to set that up, and then we had a pandemic, and every single one of them canceled and disappeared. <laughs> right, and it still hasn't come back. And there's nothing I can do about it. So if I say, Anna, what can I do to have all those public speaking events back? I don't know. You're going to be like, I don't know, right? Try again. Set them back up. Or ask yourself, what did you want from those speaking events? Well, I wanted to be able to share my message and get it out to uh, the right audience and to help people to end needless emotional suffering. Well, How else can you do that then, right? And so I've been doing it through Zoom and through social media channels and hosting my own webinars. And so I just pivoted, right, or writing books and and, uh, getting it out that way and doing podcast interviews with brilliant people like you. And so I can still find a way to have that outcome that I desired, but it's not going to be in the way that I wanted it to. It's not going to be in the way that I planned for it. It's not going to be in the way that I expected it. And even though it feels unfair or unjust that this happened to me or that this happened to you, um, we can either settle into our heartbreak and despair and give up, we can just surrender and feel like it's just never going to happen and then always be resentful, or we can shift our approach and say I'm going to be open to having this happen in any way it shows up, what is possible and what can I do. And I really think that that's all we can really do is control what we can, you know, let go of what we can't control and then know the difference between the two. (laughs) So
0: what a beautiful answer. Thank you so much, Tim, you know, and you are absolutely right. Control what you can control really. And what I've been doing recently is to bring those feelings of being a mom and just focusing, focusing on what I want. Why is it so important to focus on what you want rather than being afraid what you don't want?
1: Well, it's the same question as when you're driving down the road. Why is it important to look out your windshield at where you want to end up? Because if you look anywhere else, that's where you're going to go. Most people are driving down the highway staring in their rearview mirror because they're so obsessed with what's happened in the past. But if you stare at the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. You're going to keep running into obstacles. You're going to keep having accidents. There's going to be pain. It will hurt you. It will hurt others. Because you're supposed to be focusing on where you're headed, not where you've been. The rearview mirror is there to help you learn, to help you check, to help you to draw wisdom from, but the windshield is so much larger than the rearview mirror because where you're headed is more important than where you've been. So what you focus on the most, that's what you move towards. So if you're only focused on what you're afraid of, then you're going to keep experiencing more fear and more experiences that add to that fear. If you redirect your attention towards what you want, towards what is going well, towards what resources you have and who you can lean on for support and where the creative opportunities are and what you are grateful for, then you're going to have more of those feelings and more of those experiences. So that's why it's more important to focus on where you are headed than what you're afraid of. It's okay to acknowledge what you're afraid of, but don't get stuck there. Just visit it. And then redirect yourself by asking a power question. Well, what do I want to have happen?
0: What an amazing uh, explanation. I would never, ever think like this. It's so clear. I can see now. Team, but many people I work with are so afraid to look back, especially if they went through a trauma of any kind physical, mental, sexual abuse, especially with sexual abuse. And I truly believe that unless you face your trauma, unless you face your fears, you won't be able to heal properly. Why do you think people are so afraid to to face their traumas and fears?
1: The reason that people are afraid, and and I know firsthand because I have facilitated thousands of sessions with people who have experienced abuse of all kinds, and one of the reasons why we don't want to go back to that is because it re-traumatizes us. It wasn't good the the first time you went through it or or the many times you went through it, so going back and reviewing it would just re-traumatize us in a lot of ways. There's this theory that you've got to go through it and you've got to kind of play it in your mind over and over and over until eventually the emotions aren't there, you know, and then all of a sudden you break free. But what I have found is that's the opposite of what happens. What happens is we get re-traumatized over and over and over again, and it just strengthens the wounds instead of releasing ourselves from them. So what we do instead Um, Well, and there's a second part. The second reason why we don't want to go back and review is because it gives us uh, a feeling of shame and guilt and it messes with our head that somehow, maybe in some way, it was our fault. We were told that directly or we feel like we should have done something differently, even though that's ridiculous. You know, we're powerless in those situations, but we emotionally abuse ourselves because of the abuse that we went through. So here's the breakthrough. Here's what I discovered after doing all these sessions. That's the big news that people don't seem to know about yet. And so you and I are on a mission to change that, right? So it's not the abuse that we go through, although it's traumatizing, that's not what messes with us 10 years, 20 years, 30 years later. During those abusive situations, during those traumas, our mind form beliefs about ourselves and the world without our permission. Our mind formed these beliefs about what this experience means. And so we form beliefs that I am broken. I am damaged. I'm not good enough. It's it's my fault. You can't trust people. The world is evil. I'm not safe. And when you have beliefs that I'm not good enough, I'm broken, I'm not safe then that causes you to develop all of these different coping strategies that often cause more pain. It doesn't protect us from pain. It tends to cause more of it and we can't turn it off because it's in our unconscious mind, these beliefs. So logic won't change it. Positive therapy and, and talking in a supportive way and saying affirmations won't change it, right? Cause it's a belief in our mind that makes us feel like it's how we're surviving. And so it will not shift unless you go in there and upgrade the belief. And that's what I've learned to do through my, I call it my one belief away experiences. Right? What we're able to do is we go back to a traumatic situation and then pause it so that you don't have to relive the trauma. And then what we do is we give you a new set of resources, self-love, self-acceptance, reassurance, protection, understanding, and support. And then, once we feel like we have this new sense of taking our power back and realizing that we are loved, that we are whole, that we are good. I always talk about if you, if you take a $100 bill and you yell at it and you scream at it and you punch it, you crumple it up, how much is that $100 bill worth? $100. <laughs> Still worth $100 bills. I can yell at it and tell it it's awful. I can even rip it in half and tape it back together. And you know how much it's worth? $100. Because no matter what I do to it, it maintains its value. Yeah. It's still 100 bucks. And whatever happens to us, we still maintain our value. It's just that it's hidden under a belief system that we don't even know is there often. And so what we do is we go back and then we upgrade the belief. We go from I'm not good enough to I am more than enough. I'm not worthy of love. I'll never be loved to I love myself. We don't chase approval from others. We give it to ourselves. When you chase something, it runs. When you give it to yourself, you attract more of it to you. And that's the big breakthrough that I've been trying to get out into the world, that we've got to upgrade those beliefs And then instead of it feeling so traumatic and painful, it becomes liberating and you can shift how you feel in a session, you know, in 35 minutes instead of 30 years in therapy.
0: Tim, where did you learn all of this?
1: In my hypnosis practices, (laughs) doing thousands of sessions for 27 years. You know, working with thousands of people. I did over 15,000 individual hypnosis sessions, 15,000 hours just of individual sessions. That doesn't include all the groups and everything else. And so I've just been in the trenches for all these years and then working on my own traumas and working on the stuff that I've done and my own shame and guilt and inner critic and anxiety. And and so as I've been working on me and hiring coaches and doing personal growth seminars and, and really testing every kind of tool and technique that's out there, To figure out what works and what doesn't. You know, what sounds like fun in theory, but doesn't produce lasting results. And and I've been through all kinds of different experiences. And some of them are just ridiculous. And they just do not produce results. (laughs) And then others are extraordinary. And so I've been collecting them and testing them. This works, this doesn't. This works, this doesn't. Until I was left with a set of experiences. Because it's the experiences that we had in the past that form the beliefs. So we've got to create new experiences that form new beliefs, right? So that we increase the emotional intensity of these positive experiences so that we can then have these new beliefs about ourselves. And once you upgrade beliefs about yourself, they're upgraded. You don't have to really reinforce them. You still have to learn how to communicate with yourself in a loving way, how to be more self-aware, how to um, kind of like be the computer programmer of your mind. Because most people have never been giving, given those tools. They don't know how to do it. They didn't learn it from their parents, from, from religion, from school. And so we have to learn how to do that. And, and so, you know, I've, I've, I teach that as well. And so, um, and, but that's how you start to take control over your mind. That's how you increase your emotional intelligence. And that's how you start to have a more fulfilling life.
0: Love it. Team, where is your trauma? Is coming from?
1: Uh, which one? <laughs> right from being oh, from being picked on and yeah, <laughs> being bullied and full of insecurity. Uh, you know, my father almost dying in a in an explosion. He was burned severely uh, in a fire at a steel mill where he worked. Um, you know, all the traumas of alcoholism in our families and and um, people struggling with that. And then I grew up in the 70s, where everybody was sarcastic and always cutting each other down. And it was part of the culture, you know, of just ripping on each other. And it wasn't very loving or supportive. So I was always afraid. And then I hated myself for being afraid. I hated myself for feeling like a coward all the time. You know, and then I had some experiences with, um, you know, a, a guy that was, taking advantage of me, you know, and, and I, my self-esteem was so bad that I kind of let it happen because, um, I wanted so bad to say that I beat him in a game of, of playing pool. Right. I mean, that's how bad my self-esteem was. And so, um, and then I just created a series of train wrecks in my life as a result of all of those beliefs of not feeling good enough chasing approval and then trying to get rid of my anxiety by drinking and getting into trouble and, you know, doing all kinds of stupid stuff that, uh, you know, trying to feel good and trying to feel safe and trying to feel loved, which just kept more and more of it away. So my relationships were terrible. I, you know, would get fired from jobs. I was always struggling and broke. You know, I would attract other crazy people into my life so that it would just keep playing the same patterns over and over. So a lot of my life has just been a train wreck. And what's different about me is I keep owning it and then talking about it. I don't pretend that my life is perfect and beautiful and shiny. I talk about the stuff that's going wrong and people really connect with that. You know, I mean, I've done a lot of impressive, exciting things as well, but I don't talk about that too much. I'll share it because I'm proud of it. You know, Some people have this belief that you can't toot your own horn or you're being selfish or arrogant or narcissistic and that's silly. You know, flowers grow more beautiful when you water them. <laughs> so we water ourselves and then we feel more beautiful and then we can share that beauty with others. So it's important to water ourselves with love and kindness. So, um, so those are, are, you know, some of the traumas and experiences that I've had. I just keep looking at them and then I keep asking myself, yeah, but what does it mean? What belief can I take from this? How can I use it to make my life better, I live in Indiana. I've been living in Indiana for 51 years and um,
0: oh, I grew up around a lot okay. of farmers.
1: Yeah, I'm 51. <laughs> <laughs> Oil of Olay.
0: <laughs> oh, so, fantastic.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I miss my hair. I used to have a lot more of it, but <laughs> so I grew up around a lot of farmers and so I have farmer wisdom. And farmers will tell you that uh, a lot of uh, food and crops grow better in manure, right? And so I have learned to take the crap from my past and use it to grow a better future. And I help others to do the same. And so do you.
0: I love it. Tim, I cannot believe you went through all of this. What was the major catalyst for your healing When you decide, okay, enough is enough, and what helped you?
1: Well, it wasn't one thing. It was a series of searching, right? So when I was in, I took my first psychology class in high school in my senior year, and they were talking about the mind, and they were talking about problems that people have, and I thought, huh, maybe that's what I can do. I can study psychology and try to figure me out, because I'm a hot mess, and I need to figure out how to feel better. And so I decided to go to school for psychology. And then while I was um, in the psychology program, uh, I was learning about theories and stuff. I was even talking to professors, you know, and kind of doing therapy. Uh, but it wasn't really changing how I felt. And it really, sometimes the the talk seemed to be all about the professor, the therapist, instead of me, right? So I didn't like those experiences. And then um, there was a class where they had, guest speakers coming in to talk about what they did to help people, and one of them happened to be a hypnotist, you know, a hypnotherapist, and I didn't know anything about hypnosis, and they uh, they asked for a volunteer, and I said, yes, I'll cluck like a chicken. I didn't didn't know anything about hypnosis. I always just thought that if I was the class clown, that maybe people would like me, so that's what I would do, and so, um, but that's not what happened, um, the the person started talking to me and telling me I was going to relax and to close my eyes and focus on my breathing, and then all of a sudden, this feeling of peace started washing over me. It was the weirdest sensation, Anna, and because I wasn't used to feeling peaceful, and I could hear everybody giggling, and I did not care, which was also weird because I always cared about what everybody thought of me. And then all of a sudden, that knot that was in my stomach that I carried around disappeared for a little while. And I'm like, what is happening? And then the hypnotist told me that I would feel confident all week. And I did. I felt I walked taller. I felt more secure. I was in a happy mood. I wasn't getting caught up in all the drama. Now, um, uh, that lasted for about a week. And then I started feeling anxious again. And I always say the anxiety came back because I was good at doing anxiety. I was good at creating anxiety. But I thought it was happening to me. I didn't realize I was doing it in my own head unconsciously. And so, of course, I went back to what I know because that's, you know, what you do. And so um, unless you learn something else and reinforce it. And so uh, I got really interested in hypnosis and um, this college I was going to, they didn't really believe in it that much. And so um, when I graduated from, from college, I found a hypnosis school and I got my certification. And um, when I was going to that hypnosis school, I had amazing experiences. I used to bite my nails until they would bleed because I was so nervous all the time. And the, the um, hypnotist there, the instructor, her name was Dr. Gazella Zuskowski, mm-hmm. And she said, uh, you know, is there anything that would really change your life? You know, if you could, if you could do something. And I said, if you could help me stop biting my nails, that would be like impossible. And so you know, that was like over 30 years ago, and I haven't bit my nails since. <laughs> and so I just kept having these amazing experiences. And then over the years, I kept hiring coaches, and I kept going to seminars, and I kept listening to audio books, and I kept reading books on personal development and psychology, and, and, uh, and I made my student uh, myself a student of success and a student of happiness. And so and I still to this day, I'm studying surrounded by books and audio programs and podcasts. And, you know, I still hire coaches and and, uh, you know, and hang around some of the most amazing people that are our coaches. And so um, uh, and so it wasn't just one experience. It was a series of I, how do I get out of this pain that helped me to keep creating more peace in my life.
0: Team. What people need to do in terms of for for hypnotherapy to really be effective for them?
1: Um, Find a very good hypnotherapist, read their reviews so that you know that you're working with someone who has a lot of experience and that has a lot of experience with what you're wanting help with and that other people are saying they are wonderful and they really help me a lot. And there's more than three reviews. Right. So find somebody that actually has been doing this a while. That's and then show up. That's all you have to do is show up, because if you're working with someone who knows what they're doing, all you have to do is show up and you're going to have a very positive experience. If you show up and you feel like there's something wrong or something's not connecting with you, then politely smile and leave. Right. And then find someone that you do feel connected with, that you do feel safe or at ease with. You might not feel hundred percent safe, especially if you've been through some stuff, but you know, you want to feel like you have a, a connection with someone. If you sit down with someone and they give you the creeps, get out of there. Right. But most, most hypnotherapists are very loving and very caring and they want to help because they've been through their own stuff. You know, yeah, they've yeah. taken their mess and they're, they've turned it into their message. And so just find someone who's good at what they do and then uh, show up and do some sessions. Um, because there's no you can't really prepare like if someone says how do I prepare for this I'm like you can't because this is so awesome you never had any experience like this before you're going to feel amazing this is going to blow your mind right well when how fast should I get results you're going to experience results after our very first session and people are like a little skeptical but also hopeful and excited because man imagine if that would happen and so and then that is what happens so yeah
0: and also what helped me is to believe, believe that this will help yeah. because my journey to hypnotherapy was a long way about two years mm-hmm. when I first decided to open up about my story, about mm-hmm. my childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It was so hard. It was terrifying. Oh, yeah. I went through, uh, um, counseling. I mm-hmm. went through therapy, um, psychologists Mm -hmm. psychiatrists Mm -hmm. um i went through psyche therapists Mm -hmm. nlp therapists shamans Mm -hmm. like you name it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i went through everything i was Mm -hmm. writing a love letters to my uterus (laughs) literally (laughs) to -hmm. forgive myself to forgive my perpetrators and people involved in all these uh events but when I, um, when I went to hypnotherapist and my partner, my fiance recommended me actually to try mm-hmm. because he did, it, he did it for himself for sugar addiction mm-hmm. and it worked mm-hmm. for six months, but still mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. worked. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went through the same hypnotherapy clinic Mm-hmm. And you know what? I just said, okay, I believe that my hypnotherapist mm-hmm. will be helpful. Mm-hmm. And she was. Yvonne. Yes. My my angel in my life, she mm-hmm. changed my life like literally 180 degrees. That mm-hmm. was the first time I felt free of shame and pain and guilt. What are you, what are you explaining? It's still work in progress, but mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so it made a huge impact on my life. Firstly, I, I was able to tell my mom about my sexual abuse by my stepfather. She didn't know, and I was terrified to tell her. Secondly, I went to Russia back home to testify against my perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, I opened up publicly about my story Mm -hmm. and I started my podcast Mm -hmm. and not long time ago I became a certified hypnotherapist Mm -hmm. and Tim what would be your best advice for a brand new hypnotherapist
1: so first I love your story and you're so full of courage right and you just kept seeking and trying and looking for ways to heal. And if one thing didn't, you know, one approach didn't give you exactly what you wanted, you tried another approach, and you kept searching and trying, and that's the journey. And I think that it's really important. I wish, uh, and what I'm what I'm focusing on, and, and I'm sure you're going to help me with this, is making hypnotherapy mainstream, so that people go to a hypnotist first instead of as a last resort, because it is so powerful and so healing, because it takes the best of all of those therapies and, and, um, and kind of melts them together in a beautiful experience. And so, um, uh, so the advice that I would give you is to stay the course and keep doing what you're doing, share your story, and then help other clients share their stories through giving you testimonials and endorsements. And when you have a really great experience with someone, do a, a Zoom interview with them and ask them you know, what was it like before we did the hypnosis? And then what did you experience with the hypnosis? And then what's it been like after the hypnosis? And then maybe interview them again six months or a year later. You know, it's been a year. How has your life improved? And then you just keep sharing those stories with people so that you keep um, getting the message out there that hypnosis isn't clucking like a chicken. It's learning how to use the power of your mind to create your life by design. It will free you. From you know the demons of your past, and that uh, that is so beautiful. And the more stories you share, the more people are going to recommend you and refer to you. And you just keep helping helping people one person at a time, and then perhaps putting a healing group together. And then you help a group of people at the same time. And uh, because you don't have to know all the details of everybody's trauma, you just find the beliefs and upgrade them. And when you've been doing this for a while, you realize it's the same beliefs. It's the same structure, you know, the details might be different, but the structure is is always the same. And so um, uh, and then you just keep sharing more and more stories. And then all of us need to keep doing that so that um, we can deal with Hollywood, you know, who is uh, sharing stories about how hypnosis is evil and it makes people uh, slaves and, and uh, traps them in their own mind. And,
0: and we can do and, whatever with them. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know, and it's such a lie. That's right. And so we have to keep um, sharing more stories and more stories about, no, this is about healing and love and empowerment. And you're, you're already out of control. The hypnosis puts you in control, perhaps for the very first time. And so those are some of the things you can do. And then just keep getting better and better at, at your craft and, and how you help people.
0: What an amazing advice, team. Thank you so much. What tools do you have to help people Do you use to help people?
1: Yeah, so let me share a couple of free resources um, if people are interested. So I have a, a free program called Introduction to Hypnosis. And we can put the, uh, the links in the show notes so that people can check that out. Um, so that you can actually go through a hypnosis experience and learn what it is and what it isn't. And then when people are ready for a hypnosis session, they should reach out to you. And, uh, and and if you're available and you have openings, then, uh, they should hire you to work with them. So that is a resource that they can use. Um, another program I have is called the power of your unconscious mind. And I just made that. And it really is a bunch of stories of, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years now. So, uh, it's stories of people who achieve the impossible people who felt like they, um, like it was impossible for them to make more money or lose weight or overcome a fear. And they did, you know, in, in every case. And so what you said was accurate. You know, people need to believe that what you're going to do is going to work because um, it will help it go easier and smoother. But I've also found that it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. If, if you know what you're doing as a hypnotherapist, you will turn them into a believer, <laughs> right? Because I have plenty of people that are very skeptical. And we still achieve the goal. So there's a myth that you have to believe it for it to work, and I say no. I've turned hundreds, thousands of skeptics into true believers. They they wanted it to work, but they were highly skeptical. And then we shifted it around because of I had an experience. You had an experience. Now they've had experiences, and now they're telling friends, "Oh yeah, you know even you know for your for your partner, you know Will it worked for six months. That's amazing. He probably didn't reinforce it after that." you know, you got to keep reinforcing these things and, you know, or do another hypnosis session or have audio programs or have some new approach, you know, that, that keeps it going. And then he'd have another six months. Right. And so um, it's not usually a one and done for the rest of your life, but, um, but yeah, so that's, those are some of the free resources uh, that I have. If you want to, your listeners want a free copy of that first, they have to subscribe to your podcast. And when they do that, then they can go to powermindsetprogram.com and uh, and get a free copy of that. So those are some free resources that I have. And I have lots of books and on Amazon and, and uh, other resources. And if you're interested in being one of the best hypnotists in the world, I'm opening up my uh, hypnosis school again. And I'm gonna start training hypnotists with my one belief away hypnosis method.
0: Amazing, amazing team. Yeah. just before we go, I'm conscious of of the time. Mm -hmm. Tim, what, what are you most proud of in your life? Mm.
1: So my, uh, my family comes to mind first, because even though we're full of challenges and stuff, we always lean on each other and we've set it up that way. And Life is full of challenges right now. We have so much stress going on in our life, so many disappointments and heartbreaks. And you wouldn't think so because of our attitudes and how we show up. But life is difficult, and it can be very painful and very frustrating. And so we've got to keep taking those lemons and making lemonade, right? That's, that's what we've got to do. And, you know, and, or you're just stuck with lemons. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm proud of my family. As far as my personal achievements, I'm proud of the fact that I just keep moving forward in spite of all the stuff that hasn't gone right, you know, nine out of 10 times, it doesn't go the way that I want. Even with all the awareness I have, all the connections that I have, all the progress, all the awards, all, all the experiences that I have, um, all the testimonials, still nine out of 10 times, things don't go the way that I want. And, um, and so, But that one time that it does go well makes up for all the other The 10% that it does go well makes up for the 90% that doesn't, right? And that's why you just got to keep moving forward, right? There's no use playing it safe because, you know, none of us are going to make it out of this life alive. (laughs) You know, we're all going to die at the end. And so what are we waiting for, right? We might as well, uh, you know, go out there and live large and go for what we want and find out, you know, instead of worrying about what What if it doesn't go right? What if it does? And what if this this is the big opportunity? And what if this is the door that finally opens that uh, opportunity that you are looking for? We have to find out. So I'm proud of myself that I have found a way to keep moving forward. I've helped a lot of people end a lot of needless emotional suffering. And uh, and it's helped me to grow into the uh, kind of person that I'm proud to be. So from where I started to where I am right now, feels like a whole different human being. And so um I'm most proud of that. Thank you for asking.
0: I'm so proud of you too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so inspired. So it's so empowering, Tim. Amazing. I know you've mentioned your website. Um, but could you tell us where people can find you?
1: Sure, thank you. I appreciate that. So if you're interested in learning more about um the work that I do with companies and executive coaching and, and stuff like that, you can go to timscher.com. If you're interested to learn more about the hypnosis uh, school or the hypnosis that I provide, then you can go to indiehypnosis.com. Although if you're looking for a great hypnotherapist, you should call Anna, <laughs> <laughs> All right? But I do have resources that you can use you know, while you're working with Anna. And um, And then if you like podcasts, I have a great podcast called How to Be Mesmerizing. And I've had some of the most extraordinary people in the world on there. And and so um, if you're interested, especially for uh, like growing a business and things like that, it's a great great podcast.
0: Amazing. Tim, do you have any concluding thoughts before we go?
1: I just really admire you because you have been through so much and yet you have taken your pain and turned it into purpose. You've taken your mess and made it your message. And now because you have the tremendous courage to be able to share your story and realize that your past is only one part of your story, right, and what you're doing in the present is amazing and what you're going to do in the future is extraordinary. And so the fact that you keep showing up as well, that you keep being vulnerable and honest and showing people how that is a strength, not a weakness, I mean, you really are being an example, and that is admirable. And you should feel very proud of yourself. And I'm proud to be your friend and to be on this show with you today. So keep up the good work, Anna.
0: Wow. I didn't expect that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, team shower. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy, but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way. And I can help reach out to me directly at enna at ennamadanova.com to get to work. You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey is not impossible to do on your own. So make sure to like, subscribe and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, This is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.